this is still going on in corporations. Let's be honest. Uh, there, there are meetings where you sit and then people talk about really serious issues and serious stuff and nobody has a clue. It's either the hippos that win, so the highest paying people in the room, or it's the person with the most testosterone or whatever, or it's the person that has the data, you know, and, and, and I, I, would, I would prefer always to be the guy with the data. Welcome to Somewhat Overfitting, the podcast about data science and digital transformation. This show tackles questions to help us better understand the field of data science. I'm your host, Jonas Fitt. In the last episode, I talked to data analysts from different companies to understand how they are using data. But you don't have to have a data analytics degree or a data analytics job title to do meaningful analytics. Today's guest does not have a data analytics degree or the job title of a data analyst. Still, he is using data wherever he can to guide his decisions. His name is Albert Push, and he's the managing director at Omicron Data Solutions. In his managing role, he's not only trying to make his team data-driven, he also uses a tool most likely everyone has used before, Microsoft Excel. In our conversation, we talked about how his data analytics process looks like and how he is spreading data literacy within his team. We talked about the challenges he experienced with data analytics in a medium-sized company and his experience and tips in communicating data analytics insights to his team. So let's get started. Hi, Albert. Thanks so much for being on the show. We planned that conversation for quite a while, quite a while ago, and we finally got together to record it. So thanks so much for being on the show and taking the time. Thank you, Jonas. Thanks for having me. And uh, two Germans speaking English, what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll see that in the, in, during the conversation. So um, to be to, for the record, you were my boss during my time that I worked for Omicron as a student employee in the marketing department. And you were back then the director of marketing. And now you are the managing director for data quality. And looking at your, at your resume, it is super interesting how you graduated And then two years later, you were already the head of marketing. So could, could you introduce yourself and maybe describe your curriculum? Okay, yeah, sure. Uh, so the first thing, I became the director of marketing directly after my studies, actually, for one year. And um, so I was in that role for one year and then I decided to start my own business and, and, and build my own company. So I founded a little startup and it uh, didn't go well. But anyways, uh, so tried some stuff uh, in the in the startup world for two years and then and then after that I, I became the director again uh, <laughs> after those uh, well uh, yeah not so successful startups but anyways it was was a great experience and and, and since then I'm I was the director of marketing and uh, now last year I became the or so this year now <laughs> probably when this is published uh, it's last year um, I became the managing director for one of our business units um, in the data quality section, which is uh, data management, data quality solutions for medium-sized uh, European companies. So the company is called Omicron Data Solutions. And could you give us a quick introduction into the company and what you're doing? Sure. So we started as a data quality company for the mail order companies that used to be around in the 90s, which are now all online stores and online shops. And uh, we provide them with data quality. So um, cleansing data, cleansing master data in both domains and address data on one side and product and material mass data on the on the other side. 
And yeah, this is what we do here for many German companies. It's uh, now a local business, a, a German business. Uh, and yeah, we are growing the sector and especially in the retail industry. And yeah, working in a niche. <laughs> <laughs> So one of the differences from, from you to the previous guests of the podcast is that you are in a, on a managing side and not necessarily on the, on the data side and uh, a data scientist. But when, when we talked and when, when I was working with you and for you, it was you were always driven by data and you always liked the, the, the you saw, always saw the value in data and the importance in data. As of my knowledge right now, Omicron does not have a dedicated data scientist. So could you give us an introduction on how Omicron is using data at the moment? Yes, sure. So first of all, we, we have data scientists, actually we have some real rocket scientists like some physicians and astrophysicians actually working in the technology departments. But these guys are working on the product, you know, like building AI solutions, uh, especially in one of the business and the other business units and, and so on. And Carsten Kraus, the founder, is also one of Germany's yeah, leading experts in artificial intelligence and so on. So I, I think there are some really uh, very, very much da data science guys in, in the business. But when you look on the operational side, I think that that was my particular role, looking at operational data from different sources and, and uh, finding my way through that and, and around and, and extracting data from different sources and, and, and finding insights in those um, different silos and in the data and, and making it work for the operations of them. So for growing the company or improving some processes and so on. And I think this is some, something that where I see a gap still in small medium-sized companies that you have not enough people being able to first find the data, then asking the right questions, and then getting making the data speak to you, you know, like in, in visualization forms, in, in, in whatsoever. And I think this is what we we did in the past. And uh, and you you when you were working for us, you worked a lot with, with the data. And I think this was also one reason why you chose this uh, area now. And I think it's super exciting, and it's a perfect timing for for being in this field. So as as you you mentioned some of the challenges just right now that you feel like some it is not really known where the data is and that it's more or less easy to access can you go a little bit deeper into the challenges that you see for small and medium-sized companies yeah. with in specifically on the operational side of using the data and finding the data okay so um when i was a student working for a company and i uh, and i was a working student many years ago now <laughs> but still I, the same I, company, i didn't know yeah yeah actually it's true and i <laughs> I wasn't. I, I didn't know that I just could go to the IT department and and ask them for getting data out of some uh, system. You know, like maybe uh, leads or maybe opportunities or some other form of data. And so the data is all around us, and and it's in these silos. And I think the first step for for everyone in a new company is asking like, what kind of data do I need, and is there any possible way where I, how I can get hold of of this data and uh, of course there's always the question like what do i want to know and i th I, th i think that's also like having a process on finding the data and and working with data is is quite important do you have a process at the moment on yeah sure how yeah. to how to use the data yeah um so the the first thing that i always do especially my now in the new role of course i needed to get an overview of the of the operations and how things are going on the, on this side of the business so i always start with simple questions And I, I really write those down. 
And um, I'm already thinking, of course, in in forms of ghost chat. I think there's also something that pretty much everybody from Bain or McKinsey also does that they scribble the ideas on how to probably visualize the charts and stuff that they would like to know if 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 they would be in God mode and, and could see everything and, and scribble things down and build some hypothesis. And only then do I start to ask myself, so where could I get this data from? <laughs> and uh, and then I find out, okay, there's a gyro system and they, this is where the billable and non-billable hours are. And there's another tool for this. And then here are some other data from HR. And I, how can I extract this data? And how can I combine it together to to make sense of it? And, and so on. So and um, And like I said, you first frame the the questions that you have you visualize on a on a piece of paper just pen and paper and, and scribble what you want to get out of this data and then you start um yeah getting the data and and, and working the data how do how do you find the data so you you would need to know where the data is that that you know we would need to know that for example there is a a gyra system and you would need to know who to talk to to get yeah. the to get the data yeah i think the question here is what's your tech stack so what technologies does your company use to get their operations done? Mm -hmm. And this can be something sim as simple as Outlook. You know, you have emails and you have calendar files and, and, and they're in Outlook. And if you want to know about something about how you spend your, your work days, you can work with your Outlook data or whatever. Yeah? So uh, knowing your tech stack, knowing what kind of systems are there in place is, is I think, a very good start to identify possible sources for data and yeah the IT department usually is quite helpful uh, but of course if you are working in the in the company you you already know where which systems you use and then of course you have to find out like how can you extract data in forms of an export of an API or something that is uh, more uh, sustainable like um, some some file that is can be exported on a regular basis or so on you have to look around a little bit to to get all these different sources Do you see it as a challenge that there are so many sources that are need to be exported manually? Yeah, I think the way I, I work is is not very sophisticated, I would say. I just really go around and, and try to find the data quickly, especially when I'm doing one-time reports where I just want to get an overview of the current situation. It's 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 more difficult if you if you build something like a dashboard or if you are want to have something more sustainable. But for just to get an, a situation report, it, it's okay to export the data. And yes, this is definitely uh, one of the problems I think many corporations have, um, having not just one place like a data warehouse where you have all the data from all different so sources in, in one place. But this is a great opportunity for everyone who wants to also build a career maybe on knowledge. Yeah, And and this is by finding the right exports and then playing around with it because you know how to tweak the data. You talked about the, the, the tech stack and also um, the tools you use in the data analysis depends on the, the tools you use. What tools do you use in your role right now for analyzing the data? We mentioned that earlier that I'm a bit embarrassed when I when I talk to a data scientist. Of course, it's a, it's it's not that sophisticated. It's like a, like a spreadsheet. It's just a simple spreadsheet. I I export data CSV files and I import them into Excel. I build a table, an intelligent table, one of those where you can do a lot of stuff with. I build my uh, all the all the columns that I need and and so on. And and I start uh, crunching the data and 
with pivot tables. And um, that's also something that I teach almost every student who's uh, joining our company. And I always tell them it's like you can make a decent living out of uh, aggregating data uh, in, in spreadsheets. Uh, you, can, uh, you, are, you can be very, very smart in a meeting if you, if you know the data. And most people don't. That's, that's the thing. Most people don't have the patience or to, to work with a pivot table or to, to extract data from a spreadsheet. And uh, maybe it's for a data scientist un unbelievable, but uh, the normal employee doesn't, doesn't do that. Yeah. And uh, I think that's something often overlooked and also from the management team overlooked because people don't teach how to use data and how to work with data and giving some people also an entry to this topic. I think you got an entrance to this topic by getting a bunch of data and we, were, we asked you for building this social media tool and telling us how many likes did we get on these different platforms and so on and how many leads did we receive over our live chat. So, and um, this is needed, I think, in, in more and more corporations to really teach people how to use data and how to get the data. And to maybe to give to give the the listeners a a better feeling, um, we talked about that before the conversation a little bit more about uh, how you use it. And you just have a folder, which is in your in this case your data warehouse, where you have all your files together. And then you um, correct me if I'm wrong, copy and paste them into the Excel file, and then you build your your reports out of that. Can you can you describe one of the findings that you if you are able to describe that uh, on on record? <laughs> um, <laughs> can you can you explain or tell us something that was like oh wow that is interesting I didn't know that or I didn't expect that after you started creating those reports and dashboards? Yeah, maybe not from this business, maybe from another one where where I consulted a friend of mine who who's running in one of an event business and he he asked me look I I have all this data here and from my events system and and this is our bookings and we found out that like most of the requests um, he received were in a in a, in a special uh, time frame eh? you know and um, was between like 10 a.m and and then 3 p.m and so on and so he could optimized the amount of people that worked for him during these times and i think these are really simple things that you you can learn from and also like how you how you arrange your business for example if you're a small or medium-sized business maybe it's enough if you deal with leads on a, on a thursday and, and 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 have all the other days to do your other operations and this can be something that is easily extracted and uh, if you if you get the data from a data source like for example an event calendar or, or something like that in this case, it was a event booking platform where he got his bookings from, and he he could see that his bookings were all between a certain time frame, and then his uh, people could spend their time on other stuff. It's the same with uh, live chats. Yeah, when do you need to really be on the live chat active? Having this data is really important if if you have if you don't have so many resources. And by using the, your your analysis, he could he could distribute his workforce better and therefore yeah. spend the money he had more yeah, wisely. Definitely. And I'm always surprised like how little knowledge there is actually with like first thing exporting data, and then it's sometimes as easy as if you copy an a date like uh, just a normal date into a spreadsheet, it doesn't always work as a as a date. So you have to learn how to convert those into a date, 
And if you have just not one uh, data set, but maybe 100 or 1,000 or 5,000, 6,000, that could, can be messy. And you need to learn your way through these kind of problems. And if you know you can count work days between two dates, that's really helpful because you, you can easily uh, know how much time was spent between um, an incoming lead and the time was spent until the person was contacted, for example. Um, and this can help improve your... Uh, your sales team and maybe also give you some vital information on on who performs uh, his in his job and his roles. Uh, but therefore, you need to know a little bit about uh, Excel and uh, yeah, the, the kind of things you can do with it. And I'm not so sure how you how you would do that, of course, with your Python or R or whatever people are using out there. <laughs> but spreadsheets are quite powerful for that. And we talked about that be before we started the recording also that Excel sheets are everyone at least knows about them and is not flashed when he sees an Excel sheet or like at least not too too much. Yeah, especially everybody I think has Excel on his on his computer. So that's that's one thing. And um, it's also good to you we work a lot in on in the in the tables. You work a lot to, like I said, counting workdays between two dates and so on. These are the little steps that you need to undertake. And then you learn your tricks on how to manipulate the data so that you get the answers that you really want. And I think cleansing the data or adding missing data with uh, find and replace and and so on this is this is the stuff where you really spend a lot of time with uh, um, and and then the visualization stuff and so on everything what's about that that's later in the process and often only like five or ten percent of the time while you spend a lot of time on cleansing the data and and and, and uh, adding stuff to it how many data sources do you use right now for your dashboard? And if possible, can you give us an understanding of what you try to accomplish with that? So there's not just one dashboard. So there are like dashboards for different for different um, departments are different dashboards. And then, of course, you have the overalls and to manage the, the handovers from one department. So so it's it's several. And then you have, of course, you have Salesforce, which has already like reports and, and dashboards as well. So you can, can work with those or you can export data and, and work with your own dashboard. Or then we have Jira. We have uh, some HR tools for vacation days, also for um, yeah uh, sick leaves or, or uh, other other stuff um we do have of course the the website stuff everything that's um, the the marketing automation tools then we have a standalone newsletter tool um outside of the marketing automation tool because of course you <laughs> the company has legacy uh programs and and legacy uh, it and and you you need actually you need everything um to to extract uh some information knowledge especially if you're new in a new role and you want to learn new stuff then you need all of those sources. We talked about earlier that, that it seems like that not too many small, specifically small and medium-sized companies do use data and use the different data pools or tools they have from their from their newsletter tool, from their Jira tool and all that things to to analyze their operational business. What what would be your guess why that is not the case? Why they not use the 
the information they have to optimize their business? Maybe it's there's some some resistance to it. Um, maybe because creative people don't like Excel. But I know you know I'm I'm, I'm from the marketing side, so I'm I'm more a creative guy. But I learned to to like Excel for for what it is and 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 data for how how it how it is. And I think there may be some some boundaries to starting it. Then there is so much fuss around like AI and data science and so on. Maybe that also is is scary for some people so that they don't really um, start it in the first place. And I think also the the sources that you need. I mean, I, I stumbled over a book from a guy from um, from Mailchimp. He wrote Data Smart. I think his name is John Foreman, um, and he wrote a book about data science with Excel. And and so this was a nice entry point for me. And I was really curious about learning um, all that stuff, uh, what you can do. And yeah, and it's maybe also like having the software, having the IT, um, and not starting just because you you don't have R or you don't have python and you don't have an idea on how to start python and maybe it's easier to start with something that you really already have do you think it is also necessary that the that the motivation and the the encouragement comes from top down from from the management down to use the data to encourage the um, the workforce to use the data and to uh, take advantage of the data i think the inspiration should come from the leadership definitely yeah i think there uh, me and my role i want to inspire people to to learn something that they didn't know before and uh, however they find that out and i think that's that's that can be very inspiring and, and challenging as well um and and giving some little hints and 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 and, and telling them and maybe being in a role of a coach as well in and having people um or getting get, help people to find a way around with data and and making the first steps and you usually once you you've had your your coaching session or what, what i did i I gave little lessons, like 45 minutes twice a week or so for one or two weeks. And then people were had a starting point and I already gave them some real data. So I didn't give them like something fake uh, that was, but I gave them something from the website or whatever. And and they could play around and, and they had fun finding things out. And once this fire was uh, up and lightning, and and then it's they they started to work on their own ideas and 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 working with the data that they had at hand. Of course, if you're very protective and you don't give them the data, if they have a question, then of course that's that's not very encouraging and and motivating. So, having some kind of um, transparency in in the way you handle data and you provide people with data from different sources. Of course, you cannot give everyone, especially not in Germany. You can't. Can, they are very very. <laughs> very conservative when it comes to your uh, private data so you can't give everybody insights into that but uh, you can of course help uh, and make things transparent over different departments and so on and um, not start a blame game but having some thoughtful conversations about what is uh, what is true and what is wrong and finding some some yeah some room for improvement of finding finding insights to improve the business and and getting better there i think this is really some something that makes many people i've actually i've i think there's everyone who worked with data in in the marketing department they always kept to it they always wanted to be in that place they wanted to to work with with data after that and uh, yeah i think this is the role of a leadership team so like to inspire and and, and be helpful in a coaching role and then of course not everybody is a data person uh, that's for sure but the people that are shouldn't be stopped from becoming better in it 
you mentioned that you gave classes or lessons to to your employees. Could you di dive in there a little bit and describe what what did you teach? Yeah, sure. The the first thing what I always started with was like the, the framework structure. Like, okay, you have a question, and there are all these IT systems out there. There's your tech stack and whatever. And um, so this is the world surrounding your software eats the world, right? So you are surrounded by this all these IT systems, and you're probably not an IT person, but you need to know somewhere in in this IT system, there is a table. <laughs> Somewhere there's an SQL table. And usually there is an export possibility in that system. And the usual form and what, what you get there is the table with with columns and, and, and rows and so on. And then I gave them a very small data set, I think was car sales or something with different colored cars from different sales guys from different uh, places and so on. So then I, I showed them index match and, 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 and some formal uh, uh, equations for, for Uh, Excel, and then we started using pivot tables to answer simple questions. How many red cars was were sold, and how many uh, how many days did it take them to sell those cars, and then so on. And then um, that was just to get the basics and understanding how pivot tables work. Then it, usually in in this in this case, I was also showing them how to visualize the data. Like there is almost no need or almost no reason to to show pie chart. You mentioned that before as well. So there's no reason to use a pie chart almost always. And uh, but a bar chart, for example, can be beautifully <laughs> show us um, what the numbers are. And um, so I showed them how to visualize data and how. I want data to be visualized if they show it to me. And, and from there on, they usually grasp the ideas in like 20 to 40 minutes. Like that was super fast and super easy for them to use it. And then we started with real data, like exporting data from Salesforce or from, from the website uh, and so on. And we were then playing around with real data. And then they got curious because this now was really directly impacting their work or was part of what they did on a, on a regular basis. And now they could generate some insights from, from the data they probably self-generated. So And and this is where they became curious and um, started to ask, like, well, so what can I, what can I do now? So what kind of... And this is why I left them. <laughs> so now they, they had an idea like, hmm, what could I possibly check now? What can I do? And um, and yeah, then they, they started on their own and, and we discussed their data. And uh, yeah, that's, that's how we did this program. And I do it still. I, I still do it when I, when I, like I'm my new role here in this new business unit where I am now. Um, I'm also um, showing people like how to, how to find data, how to visualize the data. I think this is really a vital part of, of our managing role, management roles right now to, to help people in that. Maybe some people find it too boring or too micromanaging or too, too small or so, but I always think that being able to understand your own data and in the worst case, being able to build them yourself is, I think, is really important. So in your eyes, the management need, needs to take the initiative to lay that groundwork for each employee to have the possibility or to at least have the understanding of how to use the data and how to at least get some basic uh, insights out of data that is presented to them. Yeah, and also like having thoughtful conversations about facts, not about like, oh, I feel that way and I feel that way. This is still going on in corporations. Let's be honest. Uh, there are meetings where you sit and, and people talk about really serious issues and serious stuff and nobody has a clue. 
and it's either the hippos that win so the highest paying people in the room or it's 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 the person with the most testosterone or whatever and or it's the person that has the data you know and then and I, I would i would prefer always to be the guy with the data yeah and and the idea isn't new i mean you know andy grove from high output manager he wrote high he was the intel ceo and he wrote high output management and and i think he also built the foundation for okrs and management by objectives so this is not new stuff that we are talking here now but we it's way easier it became easier to to get data from your from your systems and uh, it's also easier because the software is better and if you want to so become sophisticated in it i think there are so many courses now universities and so on you, you really can become better in uh in in data and data science or whatever i'm 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 very uh, cautious, shy about using this uh, these words because they're very, <laughs> very big and <laughs> they are very broad. Uh, I, I prefer being a data cruncher, <laughs> a small data cruncher. You you just talked about the 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 thoughtful conversation with with data, and you also mentioned earlier that you should be transparent, but you need to be careful not to start a blame game because that is also where it's easy. You have the you have the graphs, and you have you see this department is highly underperforming, and then it's like, oh, why do you do that you're so bad now in your position i assume you have experience in having those thoughtful conversations and maybe proving somebody's feeling wrong with the data do you have any tips and any and any learnings from having those thoughtful conversations and how to have those thoughtful conversations yeah it's 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 the letter it's it's really showing the facts and showing things how they are and of course sometimes for people it's it's hard because it's their work they identify with that works there's a lot of self work in it and what helped me is is definitely uh, there are two things the first thing is separating the work from self-worth so really actively being in my role and, and being empathetic to the other person and telling them okay now let, we are looking at the facts now and we're looking at da the data and I know you've you've put a lot of effort in into what you built here and what you want to do and um, but for a second we we need to be objective about what we look at and so I ask you to step a little bit back and, and watch what we do and maybe you don't like it and so on, but that's watch your emotions on the way. So this really helped me to show someone directly how his performance or didn't do the job or so. Yeah. And then being empathetic. If you are in a larger group, there's uh, a second way. And I think that's really important is to, um, to focus on the goal and having a, a common, a shared goal around certain issues. And then it's just facts. It's, it's of course, if you, if your data tells you that there's really something uh, bad going on, you shouldn't hide it. I think that's our role and it's important to stress it and we all are grown up to to, to deal with it. Um, but if you're in a group um, in, a, in a group, and you make clear in the beginning of the meeting, okay, this is our goal, this is what we want to achieve uh, and, you are, and you don't maybe don't state that, but maybe ask the group, what is your goal? What do we want to achieve here? And then And then from there, moving it on. Okay, so and this is this is where we are right now, and this is the data. These are the facts. This is and this is maybe it's good, maybe it's bad. However, we want to go this way. What do you think we can do together to get there? And um, like being empathetic with one-on-ones, if you are in a one-on-one, -on -one, and being diplomatic but with a clear goal in a group environment is is definitely helpful. And of course, if if you provide coaching to people where they learn to to work with data and being more uh, objective about 
what they do and how they do it and and how how it forms and so on. If they are if they are self aware, if they if they know their data and if they are capable of seeing it, of course it's way easier to to have the conversion as if you are the the one person who has these uh, 360 degree view on everything. Um, so it's better to really um, help people get everybody better with the data and and from there. I think data literacy is something that you used the word you used in in some of the other uh, podcast episodes and and I think there's a really nice word and should be should be on our agenda next year. <laughs> <laughs> and to, to 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 summarize that is that uh, to have those open and transparent conversation it is important to be empathetic with how you present the data maybe not throw it on the wall all at once but do it slowly and do it bit by bit. Yeah, I think everybody has a, has a different style with that. I mean, I'm more like uh, more I'm I'm fast paced. I, I prefer to to confront people directly and and be very very uh, blunt about it but still um, I respect that there is a person in front of me and but uh, it's also when they are many people shy away from giving harsh feedback or, or having these thoughtful conversations because they fear the emotions and this is something that is also difficult because if you shy away from these conversations you don't have them <laughs> and But if people are used, if people are, that work with you are used that you use data and you have these conversations with them and they don't get fired just because uh, one or two things are don't working the, the perfectly, you build trust. And I think that's that's what we are talking all, here the whole time. If you have trust between you and the people that work for you, um, then it's easy to to work with data. And, and the, the more you do it, the easier it becomes for the team, for everybody around you. And the whole oper operation, the whole company probably will become better and better if decisions are grounded in reality and And data is not reality. It's 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 a view on reality, and this also is very important that you have to really think deeply, not just shallowly. Oh well, there is no there are too many unbillable hours uh, or non-billable hours. Uh, so and you jump to conclusions. This is you should always start with questions, even if you have the data on your side. You should start with questions and finding things out. What is something that you wish you would have known earlier? For example, when you started out at, at Omicron or when you started out in the managing position? When I look back now, I think really like seeing the world in forms of a tech stack around me, the, the, the world that surrounds me in forms of software and knowing that there's data somewhere in these, uh, in these solutions and these softwares. Uh, I think that's something that really would have helped me, especially earlier in my career. career. And then, of course, being having some starting point like Excel or whatever to to get a first step into this data world. I think objectives and key results, everything that Andy Grove wrote, is is absolutely uh, vital and super important for for today's business world. Um, and this is just on the fact side, but on the other side, of course, there um, I think you can never be too empathetic and and, and having uh, a coaching style leadership style and I did some extraordinary uh, training in, in, in Switzerland when it was about uh, uh, diplomatic leadership or it was Socratic dialogue and us and leading with questions you know like asking questions and and getting um, insights through the right questions and not just um, having their your own opinion and, and and being stuck to it but be open-minded and ask questions and try to not be the smartest guy in the room but have other people be very smart and help them being smart and grow their potential mm, very nice great uh, thanks so much for your time and for for the insights that was a very great conversation thanks for having me and uh, 
I'm looking forward when you are here back in Germany and uh, rock the business world in Europe. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that would be a wrap for this episode. Thanks again, Albert, for being on the show. And also thank you for giving us an insight into your data analytics efforts. Specifically interesting, I found Albert's approach on educating his team on getting more data driven with tools most likely every company has. Thank you all for listening. Let me know what you thought about this episode on somewhatoverfitting.com. There you can also find today's show notes. If you like the show, consider subscribing and tell a friend about it. The theme song is from Bobby Rands and is called Jungles. Thanks again for listening and see ya.